Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the RB1 colon a fantasy football podcast brought to you by faketeams.com. I am the humble host that sometimes hosts this podcast, Pete Rogers, joined just by Clark Barnes this week as John is out with, uh, I believe, an illness. So we wish him the speediest of recoveries. But Clark, how are you after your week abroad? Howdy, Pete. Doing great. Happy to be back on the podcast. Uh... How is Ireland? Ireland is awesome. You should go. I went to a town called Galway, which is a little smaller kind of bohemian university town. So it's amazing. I know Dublin's supposed to be great, but Galway was awesome. Uh, I left and the NFL completely changed. Uh, So interested to chat about that here back on the pod. That's what happens, man. As soon as you step away from the game for any stretch of time, suddenly the entire world is very, very different. Yeah, I think we had like three trades in the history of the NFL since I've been alive. And then I go abroad for a week and there were what, what was the count? 19? 19, 19 uh, upwards of a hundred, I believe. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 And those are, and those are actual facts. I have, I have the, the numbers and stats right in front of me and I can confirm over a hundred trades uh, happened in the last 48 hours. Shocking. Shocking indeed. Uh, of course, as Clark alluded to, we will be discussing for the bulk of this episode about the most insane trade, de- trade deadline I have ever witnessed. Uh, it was spectacular, a joy to be around. Uh, but first, we'll start with our injury report, which I'm still, we're still brain shopping the title for this exactly. Um, uh, the brain shopping, you know, just it's Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein. I'll never, I'll never miss an opportunity to make a bad Mel Brooks reference. Please go ahead. Right. <laughs> Uh, so basically it's the injury report, but as you, for anyone who listened to last week's episode, uh, or last, yeah, last week's Thursday episode, um, I, you know, I decided to spice it up and make it useless by doing dad jokes the entire time. So we're kind of, we're kind of, uh, still working out the kinks in the title. I currently have it called the useless injured dad tells jokes, um, as the segment title, but, but we'll, we'll, we're brain shopping it. Man, I was okay with missing all the trades and two weeks of action, but did I miss the dad jokes? You missed the dad jokes. Don't worry, because they're coming on hot and heavy. Cue the music. All right, I'm in. Devonta was not a free man at practice because his soldier was injured. But don't worry, he'll be free to move about the cabin come Sunday. Brandon LaFell and hurt his hamstring, so it might not play Sunday. Devastating, I know. Oh, this is better than I could have hoped for. I pronounce his name, Emmanuel Sanders, because, uh, man, he will play Sunday, despite an ankle injury. Marquise Lee hurt his knee, and he did not practice, but Fournette, you can bet, will be on the attack list. Parker, I hardly know her. 
Now that Miami has shaved their backfield, it'll be all up to 75 inches of Devante to push the Finns back past the Raiders. I call him Chris Hoagie because he's filled with meat, and if you punch him, he still tastes delicious. The Giants must be happy their stern shepherding of their receiver back onto the field works because Sterling will be playing this week. Jeremy clearly was not paying attention to the rules as the receiver got suspended for doing something wrong. So what? Maybe if Corey Davis was more like a much cooler Davis, we'd actually have seen him run some miles on the field. Hopefully the Titans will be in all blues and say bye-bye Ravenbird Sunday. Unlike my Halloween, it was a dry practice for Washington as there was no Jameson there. And that, my friends, is your injury report. You know, at first I felt like I had missed it, but then I experienced it. I feel like I feel like I've gotten all I've needed. You feel like you you feel like you've you've uh, you've really kind of been a part of something glorious and great. Right. That's yeah, that's right. Good. I mean, that's what it's here for. That's what it's it's here to not only provide you with useless information about the injury report, but also to uh, to entertain and to remind all the children out there that. Dad jokes are and will always be hilarious. <sighs> but anyways, no one cares about this crap. We just do it at the <laughs> opening of the show just because we need time filler and we will and I like creating weird lame segments. So so consider that a weird lame time segment. On to the most important stuff. The NFL trade deadline was ridiculous. So um, awesome. So awesome. So awesome. It, it took it, the NFL finally took a page out of the NBA's book and decided, hey, you know what's really fun and causes Twitter to melt? Let's trade a bunch of big name players to teams that will it'll actually make an impact. Um, so for those who lived under a rock or don't have Twitter, uh, here's what happened. Here's what went down. The big, the big trades that that occurred. Uh, we had Dwayne Brown, who was the left tackle for the Texans, who was holding out. And Clark, I'm sure you'll have lots to say about this. One Tra- game. Traded, One, uh. traded to Seattle uh, for, I believe, a bunch of picks. Originally, cornerback Jeremy Lane was going to be a part of it, but he did not pass his physical. So instead, uh, the Texans just received a bunch of picks as compensation. Then we had my New England Patriots packaging up their backup quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, and shipping him off to the West Coast to play under Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, which both killed the hope of Jimmy Grappolo being the savior or not the savior being the future of the Patriots franchise and killed my narrative that Kirk cousins was going to San Francisco. So literally killing two birds with one stone. Do you want to chat about these as we go or do sure, you wanna... let's talk okay. about those two right now, because there are two and we, we can discuss at length about these. So top me off with uh with some Dwayne Brown conversations. Yeah. So Dwayne Brown was holding out. Uh, he, he's getting old. I think he wants to get that last contract. But he's, at least last year, or uh, the last time he played extensively, is still a very solid left tackle. Uh, so as a Texans fan, extremely disappointed <laughs> that uh, <laughs> he came back and played for one game, ended his holdout because he wanted to get credit for the league year, which makes perfect sense, good business move. Uh, and then we we trade him to the Seahawks. Uh, I think it's a... It's an instant huge upgrade. Uh, the it's left a tackle, trade for the Seahawks. yeah, the left tackle yeah. uh, blocks the guy in front of him, so it's not like he has to get in there and learn the playbook. Uh, they're not going to be pulling him on you know powered schemes or anything. Right. He's just going to need to get in the way. He's going to be really good at doing that. 
And I think one of the cool things about upgrading your offensive line is it upgrade it can upgrade all of the positions. So your worst guy doesn't helps, play yeah. anymore. Um, and so literally the worst guy. Their starting left tackle, the Seahawks starting left tackle, was the worst rated player by Pro Football Focus this year. Yeah. So I think Brown's gonna gonna give them a really nice bump. They need it because I mean Russell Wilson is a magician, and we really got to see an amazing game between the Seahawks and the Texans last week. If you haven't seen it, absolutely worth the watch. Go watch it. It is amazing. Um, but Russell Wilson just cannot no no one, no mortal can survive that you know you need something else so huge move uh, huge move for the Seahawks big loss for the Texans but I don't think that they were going to get him anyway he was very disgruntled with his contract um, I I don't think that the Texans are phoning it in I just think they made a business decision this Should person you- wasn't going to be on their team and so they tried to get something for him knowing probably not winning the Super Bowl this year do you actually consider this and I mean going forward presumably if they could come to a contract agreement with Dwayne Brown, that's a huge game, right? He's a, he's a very strong starting left tackle. One of the, you know, probably yeah, top 10. I yeah, mean, I'm not 10. a huge offensive right. guru, but good. Yeah. Um, but do you consider it for this year, a huge loss simply because he just hasn't been on the field all that much. And you still have seen this Texans offense really have no issues. I mean, there was that first game one where they gave up 10 sacks to Jacksonville. But other than that, I feel like the protection has been pretty solid, especially in recent weeks. I think uh, I think we're seeing something really special out of Deshaun Watson. Uh, so, so to answer your question first, yes, it's not a huge loss because they have been playing without him. Um, it is a big problem, though, because the Texans line is very bad. And Deshaun okay. Watson being so mobile and doing a really good job of eluding pressure in the pocket and not necessarily just, you know, running for daylight has kind of masked that. And that's been part of Watson's brilliance. Uh, so I do think it's a huge problem. But like you said, they haven't had him for the first six games anyway. So, you know, it's not going to cripple the team. You know, they were already putting up 40 points a game without him. Excellent. Um, before we move to the Patriots, very quickly, does this, does Dwayne Brown, I know he is a left tackle, which is primarily used in pass protection. That's where people tend to you know, put their most emphasis uh, on the offensive line. But does his addition to the offensive line at all improve what's been a horrific rushing attack for the Seahawks? I mean, I think so. And I'm not, again, I'm, I'm not an expert, not a- but just from watching him play, uh, he, he's a big, strong dude. Uh, he He's going to help the line, I think, in all facets. You know, yeah, the left tackle kind of... My favorite phrase is the dancing bear. So, yeah, he's a pass pro guy. But he's he's a very good, solid player. And so I think he's just going to help them just in every every facet. Moving on to the second trade that we discussed, Jimmy Garoppolo, the future of the Patriots, the man who sat behind Tom Brady, who helped lead them to a Super Bowl last year. Let's not forget. He's your Aaron Rodgers. He's our Aaron Rodgers. He, he oh, my goodness. It was Sorry. a big it was a big hit to take because not only I mean I do think Jimmy Garoppolo is is a very capable uh, starting quarterback and we saw it through two games last year. I mean he beat the Arizona Cardinals last year uh, in game 1 and then also picked apart the Dolphins defense uh, in game 2 last year before he got injured uh, looking great. He also losing him and Julian Edelman this season, Julian Edelman to injury granted, uh really caused Patriots attractive team to take a big hit. Suddenly, the Patriots, uh, uh, the players on the field are a lot less attractive, losing arguably their two most attractive players, I would say. Yeah, I mean, Chris Hogan's not a looker, you know? No, 
He no. catches but ball. Julian, but... He catches ball. He got crazy eyes, as my fiance loves to point out anytime she sees him on screen. Yeah, I would say I would, I mean, I would say for those curious at home, Devin McCourty comes in at number three in the Patriots attractive scale. I'm, I'm feverishly searching this on Google Images. I'm having fun with. He's a good looking man, and he's got okay. an identical twin, so you know that's bonus points, Ooh, ladies. Anyways, well, well, Clark feverishly searches to see what Devin McCourty looks like. Uh, talk to you about this San Francisco 49ers team now, Jimmy Garoppolo is again a good quarterback he's not going to come in and and shanahan has already said this which is weird let it be known shanahan's already said that don't be surprised if you don't see jimmy garoppolo at all this year so we may not even see jimmy g granted that could just be court uh coaching coaching talk which we've discussed on this podcast is complete bs yeah i mean we're not going to see trubisky this year too right right shocker deshaun watson's going to sit a year lulz uh, it still it still blows my mind that Deshaun Watson did not start this season. It's just ridiculous. Anyways, I'm getting off. Tan- I'm getting. I was like, man, we tangent. can we can talk about the Texans all all day if you'd like. We can I know. I know. Podcast. I'm getting. I'm getting. I'm get- this is what happened too when when the trade when Jimmy Garoppolo trade went down and I was writing an article about it. I just went off on like 300 different tangents because my mind is just working a mile a minute. Yeah, we need John here to keep us on track. That's what's missing. Exactly. That's what that's what his role his role here is to keep us on track and to give us random factoids about the NFL that none of us knew. Did you know in 1973 the Packers against the Bears <laughs> rushed for 314 yards and the people in the stands were chanting, "Oh, John, come back to us. I miss you, buddy." Anyways, um so for the 49ers, if Jimmy Garoppolo does play, they do have this is an upgrade at quarterback. Uh he suddenly if he is able to buy into that system and works well, you now are thinking that the receivers in San Francisco have mild, at least a slight uptick in fantasy value, particularly Pierre Garcon. I, I wrote about him in the article that I posted when the trade went down. I just think Pierre Garcon had his best career, his best season under Kyle Shanahan in Washington. I think the two know each other very well. There's a reason Pierre Garcon signed with the 49ers this year. Uh, and I think giving a competent quarterback back there who is athletic, who can make the throws, who can make plays, who's already proven that he can do that at an NFL level, uh, suddenly you're now at least not a complete complete pushover on the offensive end. We'll see if he plays, but you know, in this quarterback needy, and I, I ran this poll on Fake Teams' Twitter account, I think ultimately it... it, it did not go as I expected, but nonetheless, in a quarterback needy fantasy football world that we live in right now, Jimmy Garoppolo maybe is not the worst stash out there. I mean, I can think of some quarterbacks who I would probably rather not have. I'd rather have Jimmy Garoppolo over, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I play in a league where you have to roster two quarterbacks, and I drafted Andrew Luck and thought, you know, uh, Andrew Luck and Tom Brady. I thought this is going to be genius. I'll, I'll be able to trade. Brady, once Luck comes back, uh, so I had to scramble this week to pick up a replacement for uh, Tommy Boy on bye, and so I picked up Case Keenum. Some of you are probably already laughing at me, realizing that the Vikings are also on bye this week. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm getting to roll out Blake Bortles. Uh, I, I would I would just take a shot maybe on starting Garoppolo with that situation. Um, it is baffling to me, uh, and maybe this is going to be my – why you should draft Carmelo Anthony ahead of LeBron James football take. Uh, I feel like Jimmy Garoppolo looked good in the six quarters that he played last year, but he didn't look great. I mean, he did a bunch of short passing. The one deep ball that he hit, the guy was 
wide. Chris open. Hogan was like, wide open. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Oh, he just <laughs> – the cornerback just, like, broke both of his ankles on his own and laid there on the ground and watched Chris Hogan run past him. Right. So he's – but he's shown some competence, and we've seen the Patriots in the past make some very – I will say at best competent quarterbacks look good. I'm talking, you know, Matt Castle, Brian Hoyer. So <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo, they didn't pay much for him. A second round pick, I think, is good value for the 49ers. But I don't know what he is. You know, I mean, everybody thought Matt Castle was going to be really good, too. Uh, so I, I think he's probably a safer Brian Hoyer, at least. So he's an upgrade for the 49ers. So I, I would actually go against that. I actually think that Jimmy Garoppolo has a real chance at being a competent above the Andy Dalton scale starter in this league. Uh, I think the Patriots wanted to keep him around as long as possible. So here's, here's what my, as a Patriots fan, here's what, how I thought all think all the cards played out and kind of from what I've heard from people who know the team and, and the beat writers around here, here's how the cards kind of seemingly played out. The reason why the Patriots didn't trade Jimmy Garoppolo this off season is because they weren't sure what Tom Brady they were going to get this year, right? I mean, 40 years old, yes, he's has shown no signs of regressing, but remember Peyton Manning, as soon as he hit that 40, suddenly became a corpse, and it took him and Brock Osweiler to carry that team to the playoffs and, yep. a, and a fantastic defense. Um, so I think the Patriots didn't trade him in the offseason because they were like, you know what? Here, we have taken a great defense that was last year and added pieces to it. We've taken a great offense and added pieces to that. So if Brady sucks for whatever reason, we now have a, co- a quarterback who's proven that he can win in the league, and we have now built him a better defense and a better offense for him to operate in if all if everything goes, it goes to hell in a handbasket. Now, Brady, of course, turned out and started playing like an MVP candidate because the man just does not age. It, it blows my mind that he is 40 years old, looks like he's like 30 and playing like he's 25. I don't know how it's happening, but it's happening. Oh There's he's some playing, serious dark, well. dark voodoo magic going on in, in Foxborough. I'll, I'll freely admit that. Uh, also, the defense is not playing as well as I think Belichick and the team expected it to. And so they reevaluated and they were like, you know what? If Brady goes down, if for whatever reason Brady gets injured, Jimmy Garoppolo, no matter who you plug in, we're not going to we're not going to make a playoff run. Right. You know, that's just our defense isn't good enough to sustain this team long term. Our offense is good, but we've lost a bunch of receivers. We're not at full full strength. If Brady goes, Brady is holding this team together. If Brady goes down, then there's no one who can replace him in the season's lost. Since Garoppolo's rookie contract comes up at the end of the year and he's a quarterback, you're going to have to pay him you know, 20 million a year to keep him around. And the Patriots were not going to do that because you still have Brady on the books uh, and you Brady has looked phenomenal and has showed no signs of regressing. So I think at here they've decided, okay, if Brady goes down, we don't, we don't need a replacement quarterback because it doesn't matter what quarterback we put in there. We're not going to win games. B Jimmy Garoppolo, we're not going to resign him long-term. Brady is still going to got at least another two years under his belt. It seems like this is what I'm just saying that the Patriots are telling themselves. So they decided, you know, here's what we're going to do. We talked to San Francisco. San Francisco sending us basically a first rounder. It's the top of the second. So it's going to be the 33rd or 34th pick of the, of the and draft. You, and you know the Patriots. I mean, I, I, gosh, it, I do not like praising the Patriots, but they're very good. You know they're going to turn that into like a second and a Oh, 100%. They're going to move back three spots. And right. 
Right. They're going to they're going to somehow play the whole leverage game and they're going to yeah move back four spots and, and somehow gain a fourth round pick, which is going to turn out to be Jamie Collins 2.0, you know, whatever. Um, so I think that was the whole thought process behind them. I think Jimmy Grapple and I think I think you could take hope San Francisco fans who are listening to this podcast, because obviously, why wouldn't you be? You could take solace in the fact that I think the Patriots wanted to hold on to Jimmy Garoppolo as long as possible. Belichick described their quarterback situation as the best situation in the NFL, which I completely agree with. I mean, you have a the greatest quarterback ever, and you have a serviceable backup quarterback who's been in the league for four years now, has shown himself to be a capable starter in pinch situations. I think he's got talent. I think he has the ability if he if Shanahan can really is this quarterback whisperer guru offensive mastermind and can construct an offense around what Garoppolo does well. I think, I think the San Francisco might've found their quarterback in the future, or at the very least the quarterback of the next four years. They have someone to play where they had no one. They're still going to have a high first round pick. They're going to be in one of those situations, uh, a better situation than the bears, but a similar situation. And that they're bringing in someone with a little bit of talent. And if he plays well and he blows them, away and they draft a, a good quarterback in the first round well in four years they get to decide which one they keep right. and it was only a second round pick um so i i think it's kind of win-win for everyone because i don't think garoppolo is that great and i think that the patriots got good value for him now now time will tell we'll see yep. um, i think the patriots like you mentioned are gonna get another year out of tom brady it may be a decline year but they've got a stable of running backs where they might be able to put it together just fascinating uh, very interesting. The idea that he's not going to play this year. I mean, we try to keep this podcast clean, so I'll just move on. <laughs> no, no way. <laughs> just it's not happening. Yes, I agree with Clark there. Like uh, not this week for sure. I mean, like you yeah, can't just I mean, put he's gonna acclimate somewhat. But I would, I would, if I, if I were a betting man, and if I, if I partook in the festivities and the occur and the things that occurred out in the desert, maybe in the middle of this country, uh, I would put money on the fact that. Jimmy Garoppolo plays at least the fourth quarter of this week. And I know that might sound crazy, but I just think CJ Beathart stinks. And the 49ers are just going to just get toasted, you know, and it's just going to be whatever. Pick your score 30 to three. And they're going to be like, you know what? Let's just get this guy some game reps. Why not? Maybe. So since we're touching on the 49ers game, the Cardinals are going to be down one Carson Palmer too. So I think that, we may see CJ Bethart, or however you pronounce his name. Sorry, no disrespect. Uh, we may see him hang in in this one, but I'm putting the over under for the Jimmy Garoppolo experience to begin at a game and a half. I'll so take that. I think we see him next week. Uh, I think we see him fourth quarter next week. But anyway, super interesting. I cannot remember the last time something like this happened in the NFL. It's usually like your backup left guard for your fourth safety gets traded. This and we is, haven't even gotten yeah. to the real trades. Yeah, the real the trades with, with trade. actual fantasy value and actually fantasy implications. We're currently just talking about a quarterback going to a team that sucks and a left tackle going to a team that has a shitty <laughs> O-line. Uh, this is also what happens when Johnson not on the podcast. He's our moral compass. He's he our is moral our moral compass. compass. Oh, man, we're lost without him. Uh, yes, the other two big trades that went down. Jay Ajayi traded from Miami to the Eagles for a fourth-round pick, Clark, your initial impressions of this redonkulous and craziness. So I I really like Jay Ajayi. I liked him at Boise State. I was baffled when he came out 
and the Dolphins didn't play him. I know there's concerns with his knee, but you drafted him, so you put him out there. I'm not saying ruin the guy, but if you're worried about his knee, you don't not play him because it's not going to get any better. Right. So I, I, I think he's an extremely talented back. So if you don't think that, then what I'm about to say doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> why the Dolphins would let him go for a fourth rounder baffles me. Um, I think they picked him in what, like the sixth or seventh. So I guess you're upgrading, but uh, it, it makes no sense to me from the Dolphins standpoint. I know this year is kind of done. Um, you know, Adam Gase suspended him for the first game of the season last year before he went on his big tear about three or four weeks into the year. So I think maybe this was a bad blood trade based on nothing other than that. I mean, if you suspend I mean, they, have, player, they have nothing behind them. I, I right. totally agree with you. I think it has to be a bad blood trade. They, they're not going anywhere. So I get trying to dump talent. But why, why would you dump a basically free running back right. who's, who's shown electric ability at times? Now, he, he's also shown you know, 30 rushes for 28 yards, but he has shown electric ability. I don't think he's just a guy. So I think the huge winner here is both Jay Ajay because if, you know, at work, once people decide they don't like you, there's not really much that you can do about it. Um, so whether you deserved it or not, you're kind of stuck. So Ajay gets a new uniform. He gets to work, go to a new building. He gets a new coaching staff. He gets a much uh, better offensive line. Yeah, he, he goes to a team with the best record in the NFL. Uh, he goes to a yeah. team with a quarterback that throws deep effectively, or at least you know has no fear of throwing deep. Uh, so just all upgrades for Jay I think that you're not going to probably see him a whole lot as he gets worked into the offense because they're not desperate. They don't have any reason to play him right away. Uh, but I think he is going to get worked in as he gets comfortable. Huge upgrade for the Eagles, not just for this year, but for the next couple of years. They've got him at a huge discount. Um, really impressed with the move from the Eagles. I mean, they are really starting to make some noise with the wide receivers that they brought in this year, turning around Nelson Aguilar's career, bringing in Torrey Smith uh, on a rental deal, and uh, bringing in Alshon Jeffrey yeah. on a rental deal. Uh, Wentz, you know, he's not – I think his stats look better than he's playing, but he's still playing really well, especially for a second-year man. So right. Eagles are flying high. Uh and this is such a and this is and this is such a brilliant move from the Eagles. Like so many teams, when you are seven and one and atop the NFL, it's easy to just be like, hey, you know what's working is working. Like we're just why would you mess with the flow? Let's just kind of keep going with how we're doing. But like you've been saying, if you see a running back who has flashed, I mean, he was the fourth, he was fourth in the league in rushing yards last year. Like this isn't a scrub. This isn't even an average running back. This guy was fourth in the league in rushing last year. And like you said, was suspended a game. So he missed a game and still was fourth in the league. And he didn't even play in the first few games. So he completely right. missed the first one. And he was second or third fiddle for a few games after that too. And, and so if you see a guy like this on the market, on the block, clearly in a wrong situation, yeah, you're going to make that trade for a fourth-round pick? Who says no? You throw that fourth, you get the guy in the building, you see what he can do, and if he can't do anything, hey, you know what? A fourth, It cost you a fourth. No biggie. What? It, but, but but if he pans out and if he's able to like function and, and operate at the level that he did last year behind a much better offensive line in an offense that actually, like you said, has a deep threat that can stretch the field, that can keep those safeties out of the box, that forces defenses to play the pass. Well, my goodness, you suddenly now have a you know a possible franchise running back that you got for the cheap. Yeah, and it's it all comes back to the cost. I mean, so let's say he goes gangbusters for two years. You got him for a fourth-round pick. 
if your fourth round pick just in the regular NFL draft gives you two good years, I bet most GMs would take that. And then, yeah. you know, you can franchise tag a running back. And what is that like? I think franchise tag price for a running back is like $15 an hour, depending <laughs> on the minimum wage laws in the area. Um, so just really impressed. I mean, and if it doesn't work out, like what's the cost of failure? Right. Again, a fourth round pick, like fourth round picks don't even always make the team. No. So no. it's a cool. yeah, brilliant move. Brilliant move. Quickly from a fantasy standpoint, I would agree with you that I could see it taking maybe a little time for Ajayi to get fully implemented in the offense. But at, at face value, huge upgrade for Ajayi. If you have Ajayi on your team, do not don't don't be trading him. Don't be moving him. Keep him on your team, in my opinion, at least. I think he's in a much better situation. And if he's able to flash the talent that he ha- that he showed last year, you're suddenly now going to have you have the possibility of having a top 10, maybe even top five running back for the stretch into the fantasy playoffs, which is a huge get. Yeah, and the the concerns about Legarrette Blunt sharing time with him, I get it, but everybody shares time in. I mean, right. outside of Le'Veon Bell and maybe like three other guys that I'm not even going to bother trying to list right now, uh, everyone shares. So it's going to be fine. Ajayi is not a change of pace back. He is a feature back. Um, and, oh, really exciting for Eagles fans and for Ajayi owners. Yeah, that's a big, big one. Uh, finally, the the trade that like literally snuck in the last second. I was on Twitter, of course, all day, uh, and I just when the when the JHI news broke, I, I quickly banged down an article, sent that out, and so I, of course was just following Twitter. And I was hoping because there was someone re- people reporting Jason Lockenfor, I think was reporting, or maybe it was uh, uh, someone else, but someone was reporting. Basically, someone from the football guy was senti uh, was reporting that the Patriots were going to take that second round pick that they got from Jimmy, Jimmy G and, and ship it off for a defensive lineman around which, the NFL shout out, by the way, love you, Dan Hansis. Yeah. Dan has four o'clock comes and goes. And I'm like, whoo, all right, nothing happened. I can relax every, like you can see all of Twitter take a heavy deep sigh. They're like an exhale. They all exhale and everyone just kind of like, ah. and then all of a sudden Schefter just pops up Kelvin Benjamin to the Buffalo bills. And then Twitter freaks out again. <laughs> and suddenly it's like three bajillion tweets all come flying out being like, what? Kelvin Benjamin. Um, so, yeah. So the final trade literally snuck in at the deadline. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin to the Buffalo Bills, which in some ways makes so much sense. And in other ways makes no sense. For the Bills, this makes tons of sense, right? Buffalo was the last team in the league at targeting wide receivers. Uh, most, The vast majority of their targets were going to running backs and tight ends. They were, I believe, 36% of their of their receptions were by wide receivers, which was last in the league. The league average is 52%. So they clearly needed to get wide, wide receiver help. They traded away Sammy Watkins conceivably because they thought Zay Jones and Jordan Matthews was going to be the answer. Jordan Matthews hasn't been healthy. Zay Jones has not been able to catch a, a football. So they went and got Kelvin Benjamin. This is huge. I think this this gives not only a boost to Kelvin Benjamin, who's now away from Devin Funches, away from Cam Newton, away from that Panthers offense, but also it's a huge boost to Tyrod Taylor, uh, who now finally has a legit number one receiver. On the flip side, this trade makes no sense for Carolina. I, I am I, I I don't I don't know what their thought process here. I know. They've come out and said that they wanted to make this move so that they could get faster and and, and shiftier. Maybe this means more playing time for Curtis Samuel, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say, Clark. Can you defend the Panthers at all in this? Again, wanting to keep it clean for the podcast. If, if you <laughs> want to get faster, you run different personnel packages out there. You don't trade 
You don't your, trade away your, your best, best receiver. receiver. Yeah. And and in full disclosure, I'm a Kelvin Benjamin truther to, since we're talking Twitter. Um I don't think he's the best receiver in the league. I don't think he's top 12. I think he's top 24. I think he's good. He's a good uh, good starting receiver. There's just not a whole lot of dudes on the planet that are that size. And I know everybody gives him guff or whatever you want to call it for being overweight. And, hey, let's stop being assholes to everyone, everyone. Uh, he's playing well. He's not the fastest guy in the world. He's super tall. He goes up and gets passes regardless of whether you think he's the best. Uh, so he does give them a great option. It makes no sense why Carolina would let go of him. I mean, even if you really like Devin Funches, you need like three or four competent wide receivers to run a modern NFL system. So I don't get it. They didn't get much back for him. Um, no, it makes no. It just makes no sense to me. It's going to take a couple of weeks for him to get acclimated, I think. So I think if you own him and you've got some tough decisions. I think you tie break away from Kelvin Benjamin because I don't think they're going to force it to him. Buffalo's playing well. Also, See, you know, they're five and two. They don't need to right. panic. That's interesting that you say you, you would take the break away from him, uh, the tie away from him, because I someone had asked me on Twitter about it, and I kind of just, I have this feeling that they might not have him integral in the game plan this week, but I could see them rolling him out for like one or two red zone looks where they're just like, hey, Kelvin Benjamin, you're six five. We're just going to throw a jump ball to you, and since you don't know the playbook, that's fine. All you do is you run a fade. We're just going to throw it up to you, and you're just going to out-jump the corner. And so, yeah. like, he could – he it's going to be completely touchdown dependent, but I could see him, even though he is new to the offense and just came in, I could see him having, like, a two-catch, five-yard, one-touchdown performance. Absolutely possibly. I think he's going to play because if you put him out there, the defense has to account for him. Right. right. I mean, he, he's just so big and so talented. You can tell the guy, run a post and then tell Tyrod, you know, Kelvin's going to run a post. There will be no option off of this route. He is going to run a post. And if he's open, he's six, yeah, five, right. throw it to him. And if not, whatever, there's four other guys in the pattern. You can, it's fine. So I think he's going to play. Absolutely. Uh, I think quarterback to wide receiver is one of those really tough positions. Of, it it is time. a lot of timing. Um, and, and, and all these guys are, are really naturally good at, you know, judging things like that. So, it, you know, I could be totally wrong. I could look like an idiot come, you know, late Thursday, but I think it'll take a little time. I think he'll absolutely be out there and he'll absolutely be getting snaps because, you know, why sit the guy, have him go out there and tell him what route to run and send him on his way. So, oh, right. very exciting. Very exciting. So exciting. I mean, it's just, it's, it's the moves that were made. These, these were big moves. Like, again, like this is like crazy NFL trade deadline. These are, these are fantasy trades. Right, like, these, these are, are exactly. the things you do exactly. in your league. These aren't, these aren't freaking offensive linemen, second string offensive linemen, or 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 even like I mean, the Patriots for for the last like three years have made it a, a tradition of like trading for some obscure linebacker. Like Kyle Van Noy was the trade they made last year, and suddenly you know Kyle Van Noy is a starting caliber linebacker in this league. Um, yeah, the no, third these tight are, end on the Broncos. Right, these are these are players. This is this, this is Jay Ajayi, the, the one of the best running backs in fantasy last year. This is Kelvin Benjamin, who his fresh, his rookie year was a monster, scored nine touchdowns, went over a thousand yards. Like these are big name players that are now changing, and they're changing their environment for the fantasy good, like for the better, for the betterment of fantasy football, which is so wonderful to hear and to see in a season that has been. 
decimated by injuries and by poor play. It just hasn't been a great fantasy season, I feel like. And maybe you say this about every season, but like this season in particular, I feel like I've had many games where everyone just puts up single digits and it's just not not huge, great performances. There's no one guy outside of like Antonio Brown who you're like, and Todd Gurley and, 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 and Kareem Hunt, where you're just like, wow, they're just lighting the world on fire. There's not a cluster. It's like a, the obscure one. And now suddenly you're taking two very good players and you're moving them to environments that, that very conceivably could benefit them for the better moving forward this season. It's great to see. Yeah, and I, I hope it turns into a trend because I, I don't want to see it turn into baseball where teams just dump talent because then it sucks then you end up with like the Padres no offense San Diego but like it, it really sucks for your team to be out of it but with the NFL being able to turn around so quickly if you can get a couple of extra third and fourth round picks it makes sense for the right move I mean again the ones we've talked about haven't been too great for the teams giving up the good players like a giant right. Benjamin but the idea makes perfect logical sense of if, if you're not going to make it and you're going to lose the guy on a year anyway, go ahead and try to take a shot to get better next year. So on top of it giving us, us something really cool to talk about, it, I think it adds a really cool wrinkle that's been missing from fantasy football. I just hope it continues because it's it's just – it makes it more fun. You know, there's just right. more and to talk the, about. And from, the, and from the NFL business perspective, I mean this is something that the NBA has had on lockdown for like the last – 10 years like the NBA trade deadline is something you look forward to because crazy stuff happens around the NBA trade deadline like you get franchise altering trades I mean maybe I shouldn't say franchise altering maybe I'm getting a little too ahead of myself and a little too excited but you get big trades last year you had DeMarcus Cousins getting traded to the New Orleans Pelicans like you had like big moves like that this is how you do this if you want to freaking drum up the schedule release as this huge day that you should mark in your calendar like God damn it! Make the make the trade de- trade deadline that day, not the schedule release. Yeah, and it's something that we've wanted, or I, we. It's something I've wanted to be big, and it's something that I've right. followed for years and years and years, and just it comes and goes. And I'm not the biggest baseball fan in the world, but I did grow up an Astros fan. Go Astros! Going to be watching them tonight. Hopefully, this doesn't sound stupid Thursday morning. Um, but, <laughs> but when your team is good and they go make a move and they bring someone in. It just feels great because you you know that the ownership is in, and so I, right. I feel like that's kind of what these moves are. We see a lot in of Philly the- should be losing their goddamn mind right now. Like yeah, th- like the Philadelphia Eagles front office just told you Philly fans that they are one hundred percent in, and they want it's Super Bowl or bust in Philadelphia right now. They went out and made moves to better their t- their seven in one team to take you to the postseason and pass the and onwards. Like this is. This is that that organization telling the fan base, hey, you know what? We're a great team. We're going to go out and make our team better. Yep. Just amazing stuff. Uh, really, I, I know I've said exciting about a thousand times. But I'll say it again. Really exciting stuff. Just uh, an extra thing to talk about in the middle of the season. It's just Yeah. Oh, it's, it's just so exciting. Fun. It's an exciting time to be alive. Uh, before before we uh, we'll wrap this podcast up as we do with every Thursday podcast, we'll do some very quick start and sits. Uh, since I normally just give you one start and I'm not courteous like Clark or John, and I don't tell you then who to uh, sit. Well, I guess it's the reverse. If I tell you to sit, someone I should tell you to start. I'm just going to give you a start. I don't know what Clark's got prepared. And then we'll do a very quick Thursday night preview, which I have not prepared for at all because it's the Jets and the Dolphins. So I really just don't care. Uh, but Clark, give us. Jets and Bills. Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's the Bills. Jets and Bills. 
Uh, see, that's how little I care. You, hey, man. This is this is the uh, this is the Patriots' privilege playing out in me, where I just don't care about the teams in the AFC East. Though I should, I should care about the Bills. Together, we got there, so we're good. Together, together, teamwork. Uh, right. Give us a start or a sit that you have for this week. All right, so I have been really struggling with this. Uh, again, I've been out of the country for two Sundays, so I don't have any like hard biting, you know, <laughs> analysis. Uh, I've, I've watched the Texans, Look, you know, one game that they've been on by. But anyway, if you're, so, com- if you're coming to this podcast for hard biting analysis, I mean, I'm sorry, but you will be disappointed week in and week out. I mean, I love Marv Albert as much as the next guy, but my hard biting analysis might not be exactly <laughs> what you're looking for. Uh, so I think you, I think you start Rob Kelly against the Seahawks. I think you go for it. I think the Washington football team is has shown that they want to use him when he gets healthy. He's coming back from broken ribs. So I know that he didn't have a great game uh, last week, but I, I think you start him. And uh, I I also think that you give Orleans Darkwa a shot against the Rams. They're coming off of uh, – the Giants are coming off of a bye. And uh, even though the Rams' defense has been really tough, I can't imagine what the Giants are going to do to try to stop them. And so whenever I have no idea how a team is going to attack another team, I think they'll just turtle and just run. Uh, so those are a couple of things that I've been thinking about. And, uh, man, I'm very nervous about Doug Martin going to play the Saints, who all of a sudden are playing good defense. They're playing to their strengths. They're flying around. They're playing with leads. Uh, I'm really nervous about Doug Martin this week. I mean, I'm going to start him because I'm desperate. And I think you have to start him if, if you can afford to not start Doug Martin, please let me know who you write for so I can read your material before draft season <laughs> next year. Uh, but that that's kind of what I'm thinking for running backs this week. Yeah, and let it also be known that that the Rams so far this season have given up the second most fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. So I, I know they've turned it on. In the last three games, they've been a, a lot more stingy against the run, and I think that a lot of that has to do with the beginning, how they their defense kind of started off against the run. But there is still potential there for... Uh, for Orleans Darkwa, who, let's not forget, put up the best performance against the Denver Broncos defense that they've seen. Look good. Uh, I mean, look so, good. Yeah, he looks great against the Broncos. So, no, I buy. I like that one. My start uh, is a pretty obvious start because you just should always be starting him. But like, this is a this is a if you are D- DFS player, this is the start you should be making. And if you have him, you should just be expecting Zach Ertz against the Denver Broncos this week is going to just go off uh the denver broncos can't cover a tight end we saw that monday night against we've seen it we've we've seen it it before but the chiefs travis kelsey went off for i believe it was 19 points in espn standard scoring uh zach Ertz has been carson wentz's go-to target even if he gets like two catches it's for like five yards and a touchdown so he's going to score you touchdowns he's going to get a lot of yards he is the, he is the man that Carson Wentz goes to in a tight situation, and the Broncos can't cover tight ends. Zach Ertz is in for a, a big, big game. Yeah, I'm with you. It's taken me a while to come around to Ertz, but it's just he's one of the best tight ends in the league now. It feels yeah. weird. I've right? not liked him very much, but he just is. And so get on is board, he? especially what you said with DFS. Guys, like, pay for him. It's him or it's him or Gronk, and Gronk is probably on a boat somewhere this weekend. Yeah. So. It's so weird when players take a step into that upper echelon that you just and and it's weird because you you don't want to at least for me the way that the confliction compl- the confliction that I always feel is like you don't want to admit that they're like a top 
two or three player at that position now because the name just feels weird to say, you know? Yeah, and that's good. It should take time. Like, we guys shouldn't have one game. We shouldn't crown them as the best thing, you know, since, you know, sliced, sliced bread. bread. Oh, God, I'm so <laughs> sorry that I said that, everyone. Uh, anyway, so, but yeah, it, it should take time. But he's he's shown. You know, he's shown it. He's shown it time and again. He's active in the offense. He's active in a very high-scoring offense. It's not what I expected coming into the season, but it is reality. Now, let's not forget, what was it, two years ago, the Falcons went something like 7-1 and one and then lost eight in a row. So that's Fair. always a possibility, but but Ertz is showing. He's for real. He's getting better. It takes tight ends a long time to get caught up to speed, and then we always forget, and then they always – prove the you know the third fourth years when they start coming around so yeah i'm with you Ertz is a really good play beautiful uh now moving on to thursday night football in which we have the bills and the jets not the dolphins and the jets i don't know who thought it was that that person's an idiot um <laughs> i again like i said i i don't ha- i didn't prepare too much for this because i just i just don't really care and i think it's mainly because i have a gross uh under expectations for the Jets, or a, a gross disrespect, I should say, for the Jets. Well, I mean, it's I under- like you've been paying attention to football for the past five years. You're not being mean. Right. But that being said, they have been pretty frisky this season. They, I mean, they find ways to lose games, but they've at least been in them. They almost beat the Falcons last week. Yep. Uh, they, they found plenty of ways to almost win, and then they ultimately lose. Uh, so I just, I just don't have any faith. I know that the Jets are home and that the Bills will be on the road, but I just I think the Bills are the better team. I think the Bills have playoff aspirations in in they have that scent in their nostrils and they're not going to let that go. I think they're going to be pushing hard for a victory here. I think they're just going to want and care about it more. Uh, and this Bills defense is tough. Like they're a very good passing defense. Josh McCown has shown flashes. I mean, he's been he's been a, a very serviceable quarterback this year, but it's Josh McCown. Like I think if you put a lot of pressure on him and if you if you challenge him, I don't think he's going to he's not going to single-handedly beat a defense by themselves. He's 30th best quarterback in the league, which There you, you know, go. That's all you need to know. Starter, and that's an amazing accomplishment to be one of the 30th best people to do anything on the planet. That's pretty good, but I think this game is going to be entertaining. Uh, I haven't watched a lot of either one of these teams this year, and I'm really looking forward to it. I think this is one that uh, I, I personally hate the schedule reveal show and that that's we're so desperate for football that when it comes out, I still find deal. myself checking on it at work when I should be working. So, <laughs> I know. But, man, uh, I think you looked at this on Thursday night and you're like, oh, like I'll, that's the night I'll schedule to do something with the girlfriend because clearly I'm not going to be interested in this Thursday night football game. Uh, but, no, it's, it, I think it should be a good one. Both of these teams are surprising. I think the Bills are going to take it, but it should be entertaining. Uh, the color rush is in effect, so I'm interested to see is this going to be? Is this going to be? Is this going to be a colorblind game? Do you remember what was it? So. Two years ago? Was it two years ago where it was the Bills yeah. and the Jets? Yeah, I. It, gosh, it, what's so funny to me is that you know, no matter how much you think of stuff, you're probably just never going to think of everything. Right. And so the, the NFL rolling out a game where like what a sixth of the population can't just tell couldn't see who had the ball. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. So I hope as an homage to that game. Both of these teams come out here and they're dressed whites. And just, they bring just, just bring it back. Just bring it back. Just wear just wear off gray. Just just wear off gray so the whole world can experience what it's like to be red, green, colorblind. Yep. 
I mean, I, I think LeJean McCoy has a big game. I think Robbie Anderson's showing that he's worth rostering. I think Austin Severian Jenkins is making believers out of people who thought, yes, going to be an Seriously. awful team, not going to be great, but he will have some value. I think Tyrod's doing what – I like Tyrod personally. I think he's doing I well. like Tyrod a lot. Yeah, and I, I think the addition of Benjamin later in the season, more so than this game, is going to be big for him. But he's showing that yeah. he is not going to be the reason that they lose a lot of games. Uh, so it should be really interesting Thursday night football matchup. We're in for a real treat. I like it. Uh, pick it. What do you got? Oh, let's go Buffalo 24, Jets 13. Cool. I have basically this, a similar score. I'm going to say Buffalo 21, Jets 17. So I think it's going to be kind of close, but I think the I think the Bills will ultimately be able to to pull it out. And I think it's going to be the Bills are going to get up by 21 to 10, and yeah, the Jets will score a last second touchdown to make it 21 17. Yeah. So so all of you that live out there in free states where you can gamble, everything you've got on the Jets, everything you've got on the yeah. Jets. Exactly. We have been, we should start keeping track of how good our Thursday night predictions are. Cause I feel like we are definitely rocking below 50%. Yeah. I feel like if we kept track, we'd know. So I feel like I'm doing great. Like we're doing a great job. Um, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Well, make sure to, to follow us on Twitter at RB one podcast. Uh, follow myself at Pete M Rogers, follow Clark at NFL Clark. I was about to just say you should follow John because it's just force of habit, but you should follow John. You can follow John at jbarn 54. Great follow as well. Um, and yeah, yeah. So enjoy Thursday night football. Uh, you'll be, you know, it'll just be playing a a few moments after you hear our delightful voices, uh, and enjoy the weekend of week nine. It's already week nine. Isn't that crazy? It's, it seems like we just started yesterday. We just, and then not only is it week nine, this is our 20th episode. My goodness. Hey, it's the hey. Uh, what is the cardboard anniversary, I think. Is, is that what it's called? I didn't know that twi- I didn't know that 20th had a had a had a name for it. Yeah, I think it's like the Amazon anniversary they bought. Perfect. Well, then the Amazon anniversary to us. Happy Amazon yeah. anniversary. Uh and always remember with your life and just moving forward that the RB1 Fantasy Podcast we here we care about your fantasy football team until next week. Adios.